Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So you are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones. It's the last proper format one of 2020. As we say, we will be uh, coming into your... No, we won't be coming in your ears. I'm doing that again. No chance of my recording that. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) God's sake. Right. We did that. Hi, this is Tony Cotty, and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. You are listening to the last properly formatted We Are West Ham podcast of 2020. There will be another one coming out on the last Wednesday of the year between Christmas, but it will be a different format pre-recorded from me, Tom and James doing a little review of the year. But we're back today as usual in our usual setup, looking back at the last couple of games and looking ahead to Brighton on Boxing Day. West Ham United teased us all into thinking we were going to be in the European places at Christmas. But as it is, we're holding on for dear life to the top 10 of the Premier League. A one-all draw against Crystal Palace before a harsh 3-0 defeat at Stamford Bridge. Leaves the Hammers 10th. It's been a roller coaster 2020. This is our last show before Christmas. We're a day late just because the packed festive schedule. I mean, me and the lads couldn't sit down until Wednesday morning. But here we are. Thanks for sticking with us all of this year. James, Tom, uh, Wednesday lunchtime, 12 o'clock. How are you both? Uh, It's been a long, long year for West Ham. But Jonesy, 10th place at Christmas. Happy or a little disappointed with what could have been? No, I think you've got to be happy, haven't you, mate? Well, I haven't. You know me. Well, true. (laughs) Yeah, true. I think think we've got to be relatively pleased with how this, how the this season started and particularly off that Newcastle game back in what was it September none of us none of us expected us to be sitting 10th at this stage so it's been a good start to the season it's just whether we can take this into the new year and pick up some good results over the busy busy festive period and and get some momentum behind us but yeah I think I think generally relatively pleased going to Christmas yeah, absolutely, mate. I mean, um, the hat game is quite strong from you today, Jonesy. Is that an early Christmas present? I mean, not as strong as mine, the West Ham Santa hat with the attached beard. Uh, but yours looks quite trendy. That dark blue cap, little new logo in the middle, is that? No, I've had this for a while. It's actually a gift for my brother. He loves his hats. Um, gift for my brother ages and ages ago. Um, but this morning, given I've not been able to get to the barbers because mm. I did plan to go this week, but obviously 
now tier four. So the barbers are shut. And I looked, took one look in the mirror after the shower and went, it's a hat day. Definitely a hat day. <laughs> so, um, and I actually forgot that we were, we were doing this at the time. So perhaps I would have done my hair had I remembered at the time that or, we were going to be recording. Or dug but, out a Santa hat. Or dug out a Santa hat, but it's what it is. No, I appreciate it. It's quite, it does the trick. Yeah, I like it, mate. Very stylish. Tom, uh, you obviously haven't got a hat, a mirror, sorry, in your house to look on. at and go, because this is definitely a hat day for you, unfortunately. You haven't got a hat. How are you, mate? And uh, how are you feeling? West Ham, 10th at Christmas. Uh, could be better by the turn of the new year with a game against Brighton coming up. All good, mate. As always, pleasure to be on with you, lads. Um, but yeah, like Jonesy, I've been done by the barbers here. I've been absolutely had. And staying at my missus with um, very limited headgear means that I had no choice but to, to wear it all out, including the, this dross, dross beard. Um, but in regard in regards to the football, I mean, you've you got to be happy with it. We're uh, 10 points off top and 11 points off relegation zone. I think if you said we'd be closer to first place in the Premier League come Christmas... This time last year, I think we'd absolutely have taken that. So, I mean, there's missed opportunities already in this season, but there's a lot more positivity to be taken. And I think onwards and upwards from here, and I think we're slowly, slowly starting to see a team which resembles some kind of structure and identity um, in the way that Moyes wants to build a football club. So, fingers crossed it, we continue to see that this year because the signs are positive. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Um, so, the not bad results just gone the one all draw at palace i think palace are a decent team this season it's uh it's no easy feat to get points off them as to, uh, it was proved in their game against tottenham only the week before the chelsea game slightly different we'll go into that in a bit but just to let everyone know what's going on with we are west ham over the festive break this podcast obviously as you'll have noticed is a day late um but it will be out and with you we are releasing a usual podcast between christmas and new year as i've already mentioned uh, but it's not in the usual format it's just a generic pre-recorded um review of 2020 which me and the lads have already uh recorded for you all at home so it'll go out on the usual day but it will not be in the usual format just to give us all a chance to have a festive break and enjoy all the variety of things we can do in tier four like lay on our beds and stare at the ceiling so don't worry you won't go without next wednesday there will be a we are west Ham podcast out as usual bit of housekeeping for what's coming up on the show today do follow us on twitter at we are underscore west ham we're going to be running a new year competition in the coming days we're giving away another huge prize so do follow us on twitter for that subscribe to the youtube channel as well uh, go down to the pod the description uh, there's a link to our youtube channel in the description to this podcast so scroll down now you can check out my santa hat Josie's stylish new cap and tom edwards is uh I don't know what Tom Edwards is, but you can look at all of those on YouTube. James has been doing some hard work in the last couple of weeks to so jazz up the channel a bit. Uh, you can watch all of our interviews with our big ex-player guests that we've had in 2020 on there. So head over if you fancy it. Do leave us a review. Uh, as it's Christmas, that would be a nice thing to do, wouldn't it? Say some nice words to uh, us on your chosen podcast platform. Like, rate, subscribe, tell all your friends about it, etc., etc. You know the drill. But on today's show, we've got the Crystal Palace and Chelsea reaction coming up. We'll discuss whether that one point from two games is a good one or, or is it not. Obviously, a little bit disappointing. The Chelsea result, I think, flattered them for sure. We'll cover the Betway charity bets as usual last session for 2020 we've got a couple of games to look ahead to the opposition 
interview. We've got Tom Murphy coming on to discuss the Brighton game. Uh, James is the quiz master for Name That Game. And Sandra Brobby from The Sun joins us to discuss the West Ham women's team. And we'll wrap the show up with that and the Fantasy Premier League update as usual. So, lads, uh, we'll get on to the Crystal Palace and Chelsea stuff in part two. So people should stick with us because we've got all of that next. So you are listening to the We Are West Ham podcast. West Ham have made a signing as well, would you believe it? As always, such is the trademark of David Gold, David Sullivan and Karen Brady at the London Stadium. We're getting ahead of the market. Frederick Alves uh, signed from Silkeborg, Danish side. A young centre-back, 21 years of age, likely to get some game time with the under-23s at first. He said... As he's come in, he's looking to learn from the senior defenders at the club. He's got a lot of respect. We're sort of semi-blessed with centre-backs. Obviously, the marquee signing of Craig Dawson in the summer, who I don't think has played a minute of Premier League action yet, uh, is still sitting on the bench. Aaron Cresswell slotted in to that left centre-back role nicely in the five-at-the-back system. But Jonesy, uh, before we go on to the Palace and Chelsea stuff, we're pleased to see we've got that one through the door. I think it was it was touted a couple of months ago. As soon as the name popped up, I, I remember us talking about it maybe a couple of months ago and, and saying that it sounded like that deal might end up happening at some point. So yeah, it seems seems like it's, it's weird seeing West Ham get business done before before transfer window opens for once. Normally we'll wait until the back end of the window and then we start panic buying. So it looks like it could be a positive signing. But at the same time, how many times have we signed young promising players and then they just go straight into the under-21s or the development squad and uh, you just never see them again. They might have a cameo in an FA Cup third round game um, and they <laughs> just end up going on loan to some random club in, in Europe for four years before leaving and never being heard of again. I hope that's not the case with this guy because, you know, he said all the right things in his interview on the on the website. You know, he sounds like he's, he's excited to be here and wants to learn, as you said. And um, if he can, it, I mean... It does seem like he might go straight to the first team, which is promising. But I don't you know think? where. Well, I mean, there was no normally when they sign a youngster, it goes, "Oh, he's going to join up with the." It, join yeah, up with it the, didn't the explicitly say that, did it? But it, it just went. He'd be joining up with the squad, so it sounds like he's going to be training with the first team, which I suppose is is more promising than than anything. But it's just whether he gets a game. I, I mean, mm. I don't know whether there are any plans to send Dawson back to Watford potentially given that, you know, it's just clearly no point of him actually being at the club um, <laughs> at all. Um, no, but there is, isn't there? I'm not being funny. Like if, uh, you know, you only need one injury to a centre-back. Diop didn't look much cop last week. He was still on the bench for that, wouldn't he? And you'd like, it yeah. is. I know what you mean. You it does that, feel like then, that while it's not playing. You say that, but he's used uh, a full-back as a centre-back this season over Craig Dawson. So in Aaron Cresswell. So, yeah, but that's part of the master plan. Also, though, the thing with Dawson is it means that we can't loan anyone else this season. So, with the likelihood is we'll probably actually look to get rid of him to get someone else in on loan. Apparently, so it makes more sense to send him back. Um, that feels he's only risky. Made, he's only made the match day squad like three times, and every time they've cut to him, I don't even think he's even warmed up because he knows he's not getting <laughs> on. And it's just, I mean, if we've brought in this young <laughs> sitting there in his suit, <laughs> exactly. If we brought in this 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 young centre half, this Danish guy. Like if you're sending, an, if you're getting rid of another centre back, then you you lose that risk of potential potentially having an injury because okay, yeah, Dawson's a lot more experienced than 
than this lad. But there's a reason why they brought him in and put him straight into the first team squad. So I don't know whether they send him back. And then is, is are there any reasons to potentially get rid of Diop? Um, any plans to get rid of him? Because there have been rumours that he might be on his way out. I don't think Moyes rates him. Um, I can't imagine anything would happen in January, but maybe long term. But yeah, yeah, good signing. Happy with it. And a little bit shocking given that, you know, this isn't West Ham don't do things like this today. <laughs> now, he signed a deal until 2024, Jonesy. So, like you say, we could, uh, um, that would give him a nice three loan spells at least in that time, won't it? <laughs> yeah. Some yeah. Far flung yeah. corner of, uh, of Europe. But, like you say, I, I think. It sounds like any game time he'll get in the short term will be for the under twenty threes. But um yeah, if he's if he's in and around the first team squad, then you can't complain too much about that. Tom, any any thoughts to add on that before we move on to Chelsea and Palace or uh, echoing similar sentiments? No, yeah, yeah, very similar. Happy to see a bit of business done. Centre-back is a problem area, but ultimately, for me, it stinks of uh, Cardozo signing, doesn't it? Where, where you pay a bit of money, you lay some down for him. Don't even barely see him in the 23s and then you, God knows where he is. And before you know, he's playing for Boa Vista in the, in the <laughs> again. So I think it's one of them, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Boa Vista. Well, you know what? When uh, when I was telling my dad that West Ham had made a sign-in, he was suitably underwhelmed. But I did say, well, you got to remember, we signed Winston Reid from a Danish side, didn't we? FC Midtjylland. I know they're a bit more... Um, higher pedigree in Denmark than Silkeborg are, that's for sure. But you never know. That's uh, we, we have got track record with signing good pedigrees from Denmark. So fingers crossed on that one. Thomas, we'll give you a chance. Crystal Palace, first of all. Sebastian Haller scored an absolute rocket. Uh, as usual, made me look a bit silly in the group chat because I was a little bit derogatory about him beforehand. I do think, again, phenomenal goal. David Moyes' comments afterwards seem to suggest that, yeah, that, that goal was nice. However, the other 89 and a half minutes of the game uh, were somewhat disappointing for Haller. Defending by Diop, which we've just sort of touched on him there and maybe leaving for Palace's goal was shambolic. He could have fitted a bus through the gap between him and Benteke when he nodded Palace's goal home. But all in all, Palace are a tough side. I know it's at home, you want to win all your home games, but... I wasn't too furious with that result. How were you feeling after that one all with Palace? No, I, th- I think you're right, mate. I think they surprised me again a bit like the village. They were they were a pretty good side and, and they were dangerous and they definitely actually had the lion's share of the game and we were nowhere near our best. But I think, like we all said, actually, before the game, that would probably we'd struggle. We'd struggle playing against a team who would also sit back deep and it would be a bit of a cat and mouse. And I think, ultimately, they, they probably had the better of the game. So... To come back in the manner that we did without creating anything really and just sort of a bowl out the blue from Joseph Ali, you can only sort of take that point and run with it because um, we didn't show enough to win that by any stretch of imagination. In in regards to Haller, I think he's a weird one and he can he can do the unthinkable and he can put it in from anywhere, but then then it's as if he doesn't even want to get in the box and get chances for himself. He, he, he wants to stay out wide, he wants to hold up and he's too slow to get in a box and attack the 18-yard box and play between the width of the goalposts, like a top, top centre-half should, especially someone who can head the ball as well as him, can score from weird positions and weird angles. And it just seems like he's shying away from the chances at the minute. And I think, I think yeah, it's clear for everyone to see that he, he's not Moyes' man and, and he's definitely not going to be there in the long term, um, as long as Moyes stays there, to be honest. Yeah, more rumblings about Marco Arnautovic this week. I don't know if that's just come from... You know, an old that old picture of uh, him and Masuaku chatting on Instagram, where he said 
that he'd come back to West Ham, no problem. So that old pitch just surfaced a while ago and it seems mm. to be doing, the rumours seem to be doing the uh, uh, sort of running the West around the West Ham Twitter sphere. I haven't seen it from any sort of uh, legitimate sources um, at the moment, really, that there's any truth in that. I think I saw something this morning that David Moyes might be interested. Again, don't really know. Um, the quality of, of that information. I'd be desperate for us to go back in for Josh King. Um, you know, I, I was I was very much I prefer him to Ben Rama in the summer. But Jonesy, that Crystal Palace game afterwards, you just sort of shrug and go, you know, fair enough. Because to be honest, before they got their Benteke sent off for the harshest uh, pair of yellow cards you've ever seen, I remember being at Burnley away when Andy Carroll got sent off for two very similar, where he's just a, a tall, big guy going up for headers. If I was on the other end of that and I was a Palace fan, I'd have been furious with the second yellow. But to be fair, I think that that sort of did us a disservice, if anything, because Palace were still half going for the game, which was giving us a few opportunities to attack before then. Uh, but once that happened, they were like, no, hunker down, get the point. And, and it sort of killed the game, didn't it? Yeah, it was a very, very harsh red card. Uh, I think even David Moyes said after the game that he didn't think it was a red card, but... It did. It did probably hinder us in in the in the last twenty twenty five minutes because they were leaving a few more gaps as they attacked a second goal, and we we were beginning to get into the game a little bit. But at the same, I mean, this is the same story at the Chelsea game, which we'll get onto. But we just really failed to create anything worthwhile apart from Haller's goal, which he kind of got out of nothing because the cross was behind him really failed to make anything of, of, of our possession, which is it's just disappointing because in games gone by this season, you know, we've not had any issues creating chances. It's been putting them away. But the last two games, probably more so at the Chelsea game than the Palace game, but just really struggled to, to even get ourselves or create any clear-cut opportunities. You know, they've just been sort of whack the ball in the box for Haller. Haller, as you've already said, lazy in the air often and it's just it's just frustrating over the last couple of games that perhaps we haven't got anything out of that Palace game even though a point was probably a fair result on the night I think before that we were all saying you know we've, we should be looking at this as a as three points regardless of the form they're in so good point in hindsight but at the same time frustrating that we didn't really create much to be able to win it yeah, absolutely. Tom, Chelsea, 3-0 defeat. Scoreline definitely flattered them. I don't care what anyone says. But once again, uh, and it could be the the Halle conundrum uh, that I think is going to clog up airways and West Ham forums and, and West Ham fan conversations until, basically until he is back on the bench or Antonio's back or we sign a new striker in January. You know, people might be getting frustrated of that conversation now, but that those are the facts of the matter. But once again, just frustrating, you know, I mean, it did look like we played well. The, the marking for Chelsea's goal, Thiago Silva, that was frustrating. Jared Bowen, it seemed like at first had just let him go. I think Cresswell was also semi-responsible there. That mixture of mixed and, uh, sorry, the mixture of zonal, and man-to-man marking left us open there. And then two quick-fire goals from Tammy Abraham after West Ham had had a lot of a ball, did a lot of huffing and puffing. But you can't get away from the fact that at the end of the game, our shots on target column, red zero. What was your uh, what were your thoughts sort of overall um, on the game and certainly the, the, the big turning points in that? 
Yeah, I think I think you're spot on. Three nil. It was never a three nil game, and there was large parts of that where we looked like the side we are and where we were in the table. Team pushing for, for Europe and having the ball and dominating and um, looking like probing. But like you said, yeah, we lacked a focal point. We lacked anything really out wide, dangerous. We weren't getting. We missed Masuaku, I thought, massively against Chelsea. We lacked any sort of penetration down the left hand side. Cresswell doesn't have the pace anymore to really run in behind, and then you've got four nails on, on that side with him, which is bit laboured at the minute I think as we all can imagine and, and all can probably agree that he, he's not playing the best football at the minute but the thing which mainly frustrated me on the evening was the selection of Noble I'm not saying Noble had a bad game but I just felt like by dropping Noble you almost sent the signal out that we that we were going there probably for the first time all season to, to look to be a bit negative we've been positive throughout this season we played very direct on the counter-attack and we've looked to utilise our pace and hurt the teams out wide in, in those areas. And um, it just felt like by playing Noble and dropping Ben Rama, it was a bit of a negative a negative thought going through Moise's head for the first time in a while. And I think that's where we lost quite a lot because Ben Rama's given us so much. Even though Palace, he wasn't at his best, what he did against Leeds was one of the main reasons why we were so easy to cut through him and slice through him because of the way he drove with ball, his, his injured, like, his brain, the way he sees the game, he just he just sees it differently and sees the pitch in a different manner. And I think by not playing him, we lost a lot. But all in all, I've seen us play a lot worse and not lose 3-0. So can't be too, too angry, really. Yeah, well, look, let's get into that because me and you went a bit toe-to-toe on the group chat with the Mark Noble situation. I think you said uh, straight after the end of the game, let's get this real. Uh, Moyes signed our will tonight to be a 10th, oh, to be a 10th place to 15th place team. <laughs> Mark Noble was playing straight out of the Sammy Lee textbook. And <laughs> I, I, I sort of don't really agree with that. We didn't have a shot on target all game, which I don't think you can pin on directly on Noble's shoulders. We were pushing and we were having a lot of the ball with him in that team. And mm. I think, to be honest, I know we might not like it, but it's not stupid from David Moyes to have a bit of pragmatism. It seems clear his plan was keep it tight until the hour mark. And then if the if it's still close then, which to be fair to him again, it was, then you introduce someone or, or give us a chance to, to nick it. And I think, uh, what was it? Abraham scores on 78 and 80 minutes. Mm. I know we didn't have a shot on target. We were huffing and puffing and we were sort of pressing and we had, we were dominating the game. Really, it's sort of no need to change it drastically then because those two Abraham goals came out of absolutely nowhere, didn't they? So I think from Moy's point, it was mm. sort of going to plan until then. I, th- I think so, but I think that's not the way we've been all season. We've been right at teams' throats for large parts of it. We like to counter and we counter quickly and we throw bodies forward and we put balls in the box and we we sort of get that front six, get Suchek, wait for him to get in the box and then before you know it, you've got three, four players in the box and we, we put crosses in and we really try and go at the throats of teams. I think by playing Noble, nothing against his performance and yeah, he's, he's the player who probably gives us the most controlled possession. There's no coincidence we had 85% possession for the last 10 minutes of that half with Noble on the park. But there's also no coincidence that we lost a little bit going forward and we were a bit toothless because if you've got four nows, Noble, Suchek, Rice, there is very, very little creativity or spark that you've got there. So by adding Noble into that, finally he gave more angles and he was very good getting the ball off the centre-halves and we know he's good at that and, and keeping the ball ticking. But we'd absolutely lose something in those wide areas because you also got four nows as a cam so to speak, with little pace playing out wide. So so we sort of sacrificed our 
ambition by playing Noble. I'm not saying I'm not saying it wasn't a good game plan and it didn't work because it did. You're right. We did get set pieces and we were in the game for large parts. And I think you're right. I've got to look at it that way and accept that. But I just feel like I want us to be a bit of a better team. I think this year we've got a chance to actually push teams harder and to not necessarily go there and look to be on the back foot. I think we've got the tools now to hurt teams and to seriously do some damage on the counter-attack. And I think by not playing Ben Rama, we sacrificed that a bit, especially in a game where they could have gone under pressure very early on. I think they were they were a team who needed to win that game. I know, I know, I do know what you mean, honestly, and and I like that thinking. And I'm not, usually I don't want to watch a pragmatic mm. football team, but I think I'll be honest. Like Chelsea away as well, they're going to be in the top four at the end of the season. It's one of mm. the toughest games of the campaign. Jonesy, I'll get your thoughts on this because you came in as the pragmatist at the end of mine and Tom's mm. little uh, ding dong. I definitely accuse you of sitting on the fence, but what what I think with that is I can just hear the conversations now and it's the same after every game you know everyone comes out in hindsight and everyone's a football genius after the game aren't they <laughs> but I, you could easily see against a team like Chelsea with Werner Pulisic and Abraham and I know he didn't do much most of the game Abraham until he scored but with those three players up front if you go to Chelsea away and just sort of go more gung-ho at the beginning you could easily be two or three nil down after 20 minutes. And then I could just hear all the conversations going, Oh, well, Moyes, why does he think he left us so exposed? Why is what, what sort of, why did he think it was a good idea to go and attack the team who are themselves really good on the counter attack? You're playing into their hands. It's so naive, blah, blah, blah. Jonesy, where, where did you uh, sort of after it's processed a little bit more and a couple of days have gone past, where do you sit on that now? Because, uh, I just think I just think he was unfortunate. It wasn't a three 0 game. On another night, that plan could have seen this, seen it be one all. Or if we had Antonio, we you know we we, we could have uh, we could have even won the game. I see both sides, uh, and this isn't me sitting on the fence, mate. Um, <laughs> I think I think the the key thing here is that yeah, I, I get why he opted to play Noble. Completely understand why. My problem with it is that he didn't change it soon enough for me. He didn't look at it, particularly, I think, maybe five or ten minutes into the second half when we started controlling the game a little bit more. You know, we had a lot more of the ball. We were putting more balls into the box. I think that was when he needed to introduce Ben Rama. Um, I can't remember when he brought Ben Rama on, but it was probably, what, near 80th, 80th minute, I think. Um, by then, it's, what, 2-0, potentially 3-0, um, because they've scored two goals out of nothing. Chelsea were always more likely to score than we were where Noble was on the pitch, regardless of how pra pragmatic we, David Moyes was trying to be. Um, and I think he needed to inject a little bit of creativity with Ben Rama sooner. Um, and I think maybe we'd have had a chance to remember get back into the game before it went 2-0, before it went 3-0. Because we that was our problem on the night, is that we just had no one there. You know, Jared Bowen was work, working so hard, but you know, four nows was missing again. Um, I, I, he barely touched the ball. And, you know, Noble isn't going to do much playing sort of in front of Rice and, and Suchek. He's just not going to do anything at all. Yeah, but, you know, be a safe, safe pair of hands in midfield. But that's about it. Um, and Haller was isolated up top again. So you needed someone like Ben Rama on the pitch to make something happen because the others just weren't doing it or just, you know, they weren't having a good night. That was my problem with it. He just didn't make... And this has been Moise's problem for, for ages is that he, he doesn't make substitutions quick enough for me. And I know a lot of fat, a lot more fans feel the same. Is that he should have noticed sooner? We've got a chance to get back in the game. Let's add someone who can actually make something out of nothing. 
and he didn't do it. And by the by the time he brought him on, we were two nil, three nil down, and that was game over really. So, so yeah, I can see both sides. That's kind of me sitting on the fence, but you know, probably arguing for for no more noble, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know what you mean, and uh, I d- look, I, I don't think it's the worst thing seeing him there. I think if you have your, if we had our number one striker on the pitch, um, and, you know, I don't know, maybe he's going to start doing what Pep did on um, Aguero with Ben Rama and just saying, look, you're obviously talented, blah blah blah, but you, I do need someone who works a bit harder in that four nail style, but. Yeah, I think it's good to have both of them in the locker. I, I totally get what you mean. One thing I will say before we sign this section off and move on to the Betway charity bet section is one thing Noble did do is highlight Haller's lack of defensive running from the front. Noble gets up, he t- like squeezes the angles, he makes it difficult for Chelsea, Harry's and oh, he might not have made loads of like match-changing challenges or whatever. But as you're watching the game, if you were playing like on a video game, whatever, and you didn't have possession, you'd be doing what Noble was doing the whole game. You'd, you might not be winning the ball in those areas of the pitch, but he was harrying and shutting the angles down, which is what Antonio does. Haller's just like, there was a few occasions, Noble like ran past Haller to like go and shut someone down or harry someone. And again, I, I, people have sort of been a little bit wary to, to slam Haller and all that. And, you know, I don't want to go in on his confidence. But I just think those things are easy. Like if he was working with Noble, you put Chelsea under just that little bit more pressure at the back, a few more mistakes. And and he didn't do that again. So I think if nothing else, Noble did do that. But look, 3-0 did flatter Chelsea. It's one of those. We did the double over them last season. So they probably owed us one as long as we get them back at the London Stadium next year, then uh, nothing to worry about on that side of things. It was Frank Lampard's first victory against us as a manager. So while he went on pretending before the game that he's not bothered uh, about beating West Ham anymore because he's mellowed as a manager, I'm sure he enjoyed it, but fingers crossed that we can get him back at the London stadium later on this season. Well, look, uh, that's wrapped up those games. West Ham are still 10th, so it's not all doom and gloom, uh, but stick with us because we've got the Betway charity bet section next. So you are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones. It's the last proper one, uh, proper format one of the year. We will be uh, publishing an episode next Wednesday between Christmas and New Year, as usual. But it will be a review of 2020, both the podcast and West Ham's season as a whole. Um exciting season so far lads one thing james in particular one of the biggest things that has happened this year that we are really grateful for on the podcast is the deal we struck with betway in the summer uh in and we spoke to to chad who's been brilliant with us so far uh to basically help raise some money for uh some west ham related charities betway have been brilliant so what we do me and the lads every week thanks to the deal we struck with betway in the summer we are given 50 pounds each by betway to put on uh, a three selection bet for every single premier league west ham game and any winnings from any of those bets uh, go towards the three charities 
that we have been playing for this season. Jonesy, I'm sure you've got the league table there, but uh, for anyone not listening, um, or sorry, who's listening for the first time, I've been playing for the Bobby Moore Fund Tom for Isla's fight, which is, of course, money which goes towards Isla Caton's fight um, against neuroblastoma. Everyone uh, listening will probably know who Little Isla is. Her family are West Ham fans. Um, lots of great work is done among the uh, West Ham fan groups far and wide uh, to help Isla in her fight. Uh, Jonesy is playing for the DT38 Dylan Tombedis Foundation. Dylan Tombedis, of course, former West Ham youth star who unfortunately tragically died very young from testicular cancer. We had Tony Carr on earlier. Uh, this season, giving some touching words about Dylan and in his last few days um, when he unfortunately, sadly lost that battle. Josie's been speaking to Tracy, Dylan's mum uh, regularly. I've been speaking to Nikki, Isla's mum. And uh, yeah, the guys at the Bobby Moore Fund, they're all really grateful for the money we've been able to raise so far this season. We're hoping, of course, to keep on going. The biggest win so far was my whopper Angelo Ogbonna scoring against Aston Villa, West Ham to win a both teams to score, which netted a cool £1,250 for the Bobby Moore Fund. And Betway agreed at the beginning of the season to double all of our winnings for the year at the end of the season. So brilliant stuff from them. So we do want to take this opportunity to say thanks so much to Betway and to Chad in particular for their work and enabling us to do this this season. Uh, Jonesy, have you got the league table there at the moment, the amount of money we've all raised? Because it is a brilliant thing we've been able to do uh, with the help of Betway this season. Yeah, I've got it in front of me now. And uh, Will, you, you've won two, two bets with a grand total of 1,310 for the Bobby Moore Fund. Uh, and Tom and I have both won one each. Tom with 260 quid for, for Isla so far. And I've got £147.50 for the DT38 Dylan Tombidas Foundation. So nice nice amount of money when you take into account Betway matching at the end of the season. Um, but I think I think there's plenty more, plenty more money to be won for charity in the second half of the season. I'm sure we've over the last couple of weeks, we've gone a lot more bolder with our bets, haven't we? Some of the odds have been pretty mad. I think we had an eighty to one shot last week, sixty-six to one. But I'm sure one another. I think I definitely think there's another one, at least one more big one to come in. Um, I'm sure. So, so yeah, looking forward to raising some more money, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Yeah. So last week, Tom, I think you had the eighty to one shot, which was West Ham to win under two and a half goals and Declan Rice to score any time. When that goal goes in at the beginning, obviously ruled out to be offside, which is a little bit frustrating because I was like, you're looking along the line. Have you managed to be offside? there but um yeah tucked it in from a tight angle and you thought happy days here we go but it wasn't to be unfortunately the goal ruled out so last week I had both teams to score which didn't come in of course Sebastian Haller to score last and less than 9.5 corners um it, the less than 9.5 corners did come in uh, Haller did not score last first or in the middle, unfortunately. And both teams, of course, did not score. Tom, you had West Ham to win under two and a half. Rice to score any time, as I've just said. And Jonesy had one all. Ben Rama to score over 8.5 corner. So, yeah, a little bit further away uh, from us last week. I just needed Sebastian Haller to nod one in in the closing stages. And I would have come in. Uh, but no such luck. But we, we move. We move on and we look forward. And Brighton coming up on... Uh, the we're not playing on Boxing Day anymore, are we? That's been shifted to the 27th, I believe, isn't it? So, um, yep. yeah, the the 
our quest for a Boxing Day game, certainly a home Boxing Day game, goes on for one more year at West Ham United. But the brighter bets looking ahead to this weekend are oh, it's West Ham to, for me, this is West Ham to win, Suchek and Haller to score, and more than 4.5 corners. I just fancy that uh, double. The odds, as ever, from Chad will come in in the next couple of days and listeners to the we are west ham podcast and all west ham fans are able to go on to the betway website or app in the days before the game under the pre-built bet selection you can scroll down there and find the we are west ham selection so you can back these for real if you like the sound of what me and the boys have backed each week so mine for brighton west ham to win thomas suchek and sebastian haller to score and more than 4.5 corners tom edwards you have gone for both teams to score west ham to win and pablo Fornells to score thinking behind that if uh bearing in mind pablo Fornells might even start which we will cover in the west ham twitter poll later on um, mainly because I feel like he's one of them players who, when the, the going gets tough, he, te- he tends to turn up and tends to give performance to remind a manager. And I think whether that's from the start, from the bench, I think um, I think he'll come on. He, he's just that sort of rat who doesn't really go away, does he? So I think he might he might plague a few West Ham fans Christmases who want him dropped and, uh, and nick a goal. But um, just on that as well, just I'd like to say good luck to Isla this week and their family because she's about to have a week, uh, a week of scans. She's got bone marrow, blood tests and uh, all scans at Great Ormond Street Hospital this week out of Christmas just to make sure and uh, have a checkup. And it's one of the hardest weeks for the family. I know that for a fact. So just good luck to all of them and uh, Merry Christmas. I'm sure they will get through it. Absolutely, mate. Yeah, lovely words and uh, definitely a Merry Christmas to Isla and uh, all West Ham fans everywhere from us at the uh, We Are West Ham podcast. I'm sure uh, plenty of fans have been sending in their their messages, which is lovely to see. Jonesy, your selection for this week, please. So I was I was a little bit inspired by your by your selection, Will, by picking two goal scorers. So I've I've gone big as well with two goal scorers. I've gone uh, West Ham to win, Bowen and Ben Rama to score. Uh, and over two and a half goals, so um, I, I, I think this is this is the time when we finally beat Brighton. It's taken a few years, isn't it? But um, and I, I can't I can't see a scenario where Ben Rama doesn't start, and I think he'll want to make an impact, Boney. So um, I fancy those two. And Bowen just always looks like he could get on the score sheet. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Well, look, fingers crossed, I say, thanks very much to Betway and to Chad for uh, their work with us this season. It's uh, it's uh, It's been a great uh, addition to the podcast, that's for sure. And yeah, fingers crossed we can keep that money rolling in uh, past Christmas this year. So that's that for the Betway charity bet selection for 2020. Me and the lads will be making uh, our selections for the Southampton game. As well, like I say, if you want to back out, if you will be able to do that for the Brighton and the Southampton game, just head on over to uh, the Betway website or app and go down, scroll down in the pre-built bets selection. That's that for this year. Stay with us because we've got the Brighton Opposition View coming up next. So you are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones. That was the last Betway charity bet section of 2020. But stay with us because me and the lads, of course, are hoping to raise a few more quid next season. But it's Brighton at home. We all got really excited at the beginning of the season when West Ham United were given a home fixture on Boxing Day for the first time in 81 years. But of course... 
as ever it was not to be the game has been moved to the 27th sunday afternoon quarter past two and it's on sky sports not that it really mattered this year because no fans would have been able to go anyway but i'm delighted to say that we are joined by brighton resident and keen Brighton observer Tom Murphy for the opposition view to look ahead to that game. Tom, thanks so much for joining us. We do appreciate it. A bit of a difficult start to the season for Brighton. I fancied them to do all right this season. 17th place in the table at the moment. Adam Lalana come in and hasn't quite been the revelation that certainly I was expecting him to be. Just two points off of the relegation zone. But there doesn't seem to be too many people... Uh, ringing the bells of doom as far as the seagulls are concerned. Uh, how are you feeling about their fate at the moment? Are you, are you worried or do you think it'll, it'll be all right with Potter at the wheel? Um, I think there's, there has to be some sort of worry when we're not taking points off any of the teams around us. Like you're drawn with Sheffield United, Fulham and uh, West Brom um, and have only won two games. It's just the style of football we're playing is good, the potable as they call it, but we're not really scoring the goals at the end of it. We're creating chances, but none of our front four are really putting them away, including Danny Welbeck, who seems to prefer to put it wide or hit it against the defender rather than in the back of the net most of the time, or just fall over. As is his trademark. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's um, <laughs> not quite the Arsenal or Man United player that he used to be. <laughs> Absolutely. What, 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 how did you feel about that signing? Because I remember thinking... It didn't feel very Brighton that I thought that that's peculiar. I don't really rate him anyway. Bought him in from Watford. He didn't exactly, you know, set the world on fire uh, at Watford. And what did you make of that at the beginning? I don't, I think he's got, is it one goal he scored uh, so far? But were you excited when he came in or do you think, meh, that's pretty um, underwhelming? I mean, it was, it seems to be we were trying to get a bit more like, experience, experience in like we've got Lalana in ex England. We've got, well back in maybe to add a bit more experience because that's maybe what the, the squad was lacking was people with the know-how who've been a bit higher up the table and knew how to win matches. Um, so Welbeck, it was quite an exciting one for Brighton fans considering only a few years ago we were just a championship team who wouldn't he, and Welbeck was at a World Cup so it's not it wasn't that long ago he was in the England squad. Um, but yeah it was a I, I, we were quite excited because just have a, another striker but He's just needs to put away more chances than he's getting at the, and he's putting away at the moment, I think. And what's the what's the general feeling surrounding Graham Potter at, at Brighton amongst the fans? Because he came with a lot of promise. Um, a lot of people sort of really earmarked him as uh, you know a bit of a you know his style of football was great, and he got a lot of promise as a young up and coming manager. And um, this season, obviously, there's only two points above the bottom three. Are there question marks over whether he is the right man to take Brighton forward? Or is there a feeling that, you know, no, this is a long-term project still. Um, let's stick with him because he is the right man. Yeah, when he came in, it was replaced Chris Hewton, who that style of player that Hewton was, was get a goal and just and it wouldn't be very pretty, basically. And Potter's come, was coming in to try and change that trade, change the way we were playing football. And he has done that. The style of play has obviously improved and we keep a lot of possession. Um, so I think he will be given a bit of time. But if they do drop into that bottom three, then I think there's going to, and we're in there, like, say, in January, then there's going to have to be question marks because we have spent a bit more, been spending a bit more money. So they need, they will need to start picking up points to, 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 for, your, for the other owners to back in. But in, historically, I think Brian are quite, 
favourable with their managers in the Premier League anyway. So I can't see them make any drastic decisions anytime soon. And um, yeah, possible possible continue for uh, I reckon the next few months at least anyway. Tom, I don't mean to cross-examine um, your striker situation, but one of my favourite stories, I think, in the last few years of football was Neil Mope being dropped for being too arrogant. And I was just wondering what what you actually, what Brighton fans think of him, because I know he's had patches where he goes through scoring five, six or whatever in about eight games and he doesn't score again. And then stories like that come out about him. What What is the thoughts on him? Because he always seems like a decent player. I wouldn't mind of having down at West Ham at certain points, but I'm just interested about the Brighton fans' thoughts on him. Yeah, I think um, it's always good to have that kind of player like Neil Mope um, in, in, in a team. He's a bit he's a bit fiery. He can add a bit more to you. In terms, he's a bit of a, more of a cult, cult figure in terms of, um, yeah, recent times. But it was like when uh, we played Arsenal last season, he was a player who... Seemingly ended our uh, Guendouzi's career at Arsenal because after that match, Guendouzi never really played again. Um, so he's he's a he's a nice, a good player to have, but again, he's got that temperament where it could go the other way. Like he's a bit like Mitrovic at Fulham, where he can score goals, but he's just a bit temperamental. And and if he doesn't if he doesn't find his feet or be in, he's in a scoring mood, then most likely he'll either get sent off or subbed early. I think. Yeah, he's uh, he's somewhat of an enigma, Mope, isn't he? I quite like it. He sort of strikes me as a bit of a B-Tech Diego Costa. Um, just sort of like a little bit aggro. No one particularly likes playing against him as such. But uh, yeah, he's one of those where you look at it and you think, yeah, I wouldn't mind having someone like that in my team because he's just a bit of needle and gets into defenders and all that sort of thing. But like you say, it's getting to that stage, isn't it, now with him where the, the, the actual record and the actual stats don't really outweigh the annoying disciplinary bits it's like if you're Diego Costa you can afford to go around upsetting literally everyone and walking around like you're the Don because he was smashing the ball in the net on average once a game so no one really minds but looking forward to the game on the 27th then Tom uh, how can you see it going because Brighton are certainly somewhat uh, West Ham's bogey team in the Premier League Jonesy I'm sure uh, you've still got the stat. We haven't beaten them uh, in the Premier League, have we, Jonesy? Is that right? No, it's three three draws, three defeats, I believe. Yeah, three draws, three defeats. Yeah, so not good record from West Ham's point of view. The one thing that obviously plays in our favour is our arch nemesis, Glenn Murray, no longer plays for the Seagulls. But um, what's how do you see the game going uh, from sort of a style point of view uh, on the 27th? I mean, it could be one of those which hopefully Brighton gets some sort of result. Um, if you've got our players firing and everything going well, then maybe if Tarek, if Tarek Lancey's back and able to play, then that always makes a quite a big difference because whenever he plays, he's always a really good outlet to have down that wing. He's probably one of our best attackers when he's when he's on the ball, when he's playing. Um, but, yes, we haven't really got our... If we've got our... Chance, if our chances are taken and we can try and not concede stupid goals that like we have been quite a lot and Lewis Dunk gets in the way of more sh- more shots and doesn't deflect them in like he usually does, then we might be all right. But yeah, hopefully the, the trend continues and we take points off you and it's not a and it's not a def- another defeat because I don't think we're yeah. going to come up with another one of these. 
No, absolutely. Well, Tom, look, just before we let you go, uh, give us a quick score prediction for West Ham, Brighton, London Stadium, 27th of December, quarter past two kickoff. I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going to say 2 0 away win for Brighton. I'll say well back, well back and a gross penalty. Oh, <laughs> nice. Well, yeah, the the, uh, the penalty, that's uh, was every chance that'll happen because we absolutely love giving penalties away this season. Uh, well back, I'm not so sure. But Tom Murphy there, Brighton fan, Brighton resident, uh, knows all things the Seagulls. Thanks so much for joining us. We do appreciate it. But stay with us because next up we've got Name That Game. So Tom Murphy, big Brighton fan there, joining us to look ahead to the game on the 27th of December against the Seagulls at London Stadium. Tom going for a 2-0 win. Just quickly, lads, uh, score predictions for Brighton. Jonesy, you go first. I'm going to go 2-0 West Ham. 2-0 to West Ham. Actually, no, 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 no. Hang on a minute. Is this allowed? That goes against my Betway bet. Uh, so I got over two and a half goals. So um, I'll, I'll go yeah. three. I'll go three one. Three, three one. <laughs> three one to West Ham. Like it, Jonesy. Uh, Thomas, sorry. Two one. Two one West Ham. Think it'll be really scrappy, but we'll get it done. Two one West Ham. You know what? I fancy we'll just come out and nowhere. Explosive performance. I'm going to go four one to West Ham United Woof. on. Sunday, Sunday, the 27th of December. Well, look, one thing, uh, one competition that has been hotting up throughout the year is, of course, name that game. James Jones, you are quizmaster for the last one of 2020, and you sitting pretty at the top of the league, 21 points. Uh, Tom, second place on 15, and me on 14. Not looking too good at the moment for me and Tom, battling it out at the bottom of the league. But now you are up for as quiz master for the last one of 2020 opportunity for me and Tom to claw some points back to take it away. So I've got a interesting fact for you. And that is that one of the goals led to an opposition player being hounded as a cheat. Oh, um, Oh, right. I know. 3-3. Three, three. That's correct. Jonesy? Oh, he's gone 3-3. Three, three. Oh, I literally haven't got a clue. Uh, uh, Wayne Rooney. Incorrect. Tom? Callum Wilson. Correct. He's got it. The oh, West goal scorer, Will. Uh, Enna Valencia? That is incorrect. You're joking. Tom? Arnautovic. Oh, he's got it. It's going to be a clean sweep, this one. Uh, stadium. London London Stadium? Incorrect, Tom. Oh, you're joking. Vitality. Oh, Vitality. Vitality Stadium that. is correct. God's sake. So, Will, you got the uh, got the opponent? Bournemouth. That is correct. Well done. Uh, <laughs> season. Tom. Or 17-18. Say seventeen, eighteen. Yeah, that is correct. Ah, oh, what a shambles that was! He's absolutely wiped the floor with him. That's that needed. That five-one. That is a big one. I needed that five-one. I think that's the biggest win of the season so far, mate. Why was he? What was the story behind it then, Jones? Well, he, he handballed it, didn't he? And then admitted it's it. A good game. It was like a real like 
it was like four goals in the last like three minutes or something. Yeah, um, I was there for that. And afterwards, he in his post match interview, he admitted that he handballed it into the goal. Yeah, we, we came back from we were what was it two one down and then until like seventy eighth minute, and then on out of it scored two, and then they. I was literally on my way home basically before and then they started scoring. Yeah, and we were one, <laughs> one new up, up in the seventh minute through uh, James Collins. Um, and then Gosling and Aki scored just before the hour to make it 2 1 Bournemouth. On average, scored in the 81st and 89th. And we thought we'd won it. And in the 93rd minute, Callum Wilson handballed it in and the goal stood. And then Absolutely. he admitted afterwards, oh, yeah. Uh, I can't remember what he said, but he admitted afterwards that he handballed it and he knew he did Very Thierry Henry for France against Ireland-esque, was it? Yeah, yeah. yeah pretty much, yeah. Boxing so, Day fixture, to be fair to him as well. Well, there you have it. I've got an absolute drubbing on the last game of the season. James Jones's lead at the top, eaten into in drastic fashion by Tom Edwards there. Tom on 20 points, James on 21, and me floundering at the bottom of the table still on 15. That is it for Name That Game for 2020. But stay with us because we've got the West Ham women next. So you are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast, the last proper format one of 2020 as we bring in Christmas with West Ham still 10th in the table and West Ham's women are also 10th in the table. Not quite as much of an achievement as it is for the men's as there's only 12 teams in the WSL. But last weekend's game against Aston Villa was cancelled because of a coronavirus outbreak at Chadwell Heath, which also saw a couple of West Ham's um, male youth team squads uh, games get cancelled as well. So the Aston Villa game is going to be rearranged for next year. But I'm delighted to say that joining us is sports journalist and WSL expert from The Sun, Sandra Brobby. Sandra, thanks so much for joining us. It's wonderful to have you with us. First things first. After an excellent result against Bristol City, West Ham uh, were hoping to carry on some of that momentum into a game against fellow relegation struggler Aston Villa. But that was cancelled because of the coronavirus. No game now until January the 9th. Do you think that will be sort of a little bit of a a kick in the teeth for the girls, given the, the momentum that they were carrying into that game? Possibly. I think they would have been keen to play and to keep going because they kind of like picked up some form. And I mean, the last game I saw with them was at Chelsea, which they lost 3-2, but I personally thought they gave a really good account of themselves in uh, in spells of that game. With no, obviously Chelsea have got a lot of quality up top with Bethany England and, um, and uh, Sam Kerr in really good form. But West Ham came to that game with a, you know, under Billy Stewart's interim manager. And the way they started was, you know, lots of quick passing, quite positive. And I mean, they could have easily come away with um, a draw from that if um, Rachel Daly hadn't have had a shot blocked um, by Anne Catherine Berger in the first half. Because, I mean, they, they did give a good account of themselves for spells, but I think they would have been gutted to not have, you know, gone up against um, Aston Villa before Christmas. I think they would have, um, you know, wanted that clash, I think, because I think they would have you know, felt very confident of getting the three points yeah, absolutely. And, and to be honest, there's there's been some, the performances since uh, West Ham and Matt Beard parted company have seemed to have improved. So obviously a good decision on, on that side of things. A quarter final of the Conti Cup coming up, uh, the League Cup that is, 
um, in the new year against Durham. Again, another winnable game, and you're looking uh, looking at a, a potential semi-final, which would be good. But West Ham on seven points, uh, five points off of the relegation zone, just the one team relegated from the WSL, Bristol City, who they beat a couple of weeks ago convincingly on two points. So it seems like the girls will be safe from relegation. And, uh, you know, a result against Aston Villa will put them on 10 points and and plunge them back into that sort of uh, middle bunch of teams where they, which is what they were targeting before the season started. On the Matt Beard side of things, a couple of weeks ago, a story of yours that I read in the Sun newspaper was saying that West Ham are moments away from appointing Wales coach Jane Ludlow as their new manager. It seemed like one that made sense, very detailed, uh, very experienced, detailed CV. Uh, Jack Collison was in the running, it seemed as well, but that was poo-pooed. What, what's happened on, on that side of things? So it's all gone a bit quiet. It has. I mean, the club, they, I went to the club to ask them what's going on. They just said we're still doing interviews, but it has just gone very quiet on that front. I mean, Jane Ludlow, she, like you say, she's bringing so much experience with her. You know, obviously she managed Reading um, when they were in um, what, what was called WSL2, now the Women's Championship, and she was really good there you know, helping them to finish third in the table, cultivating the, and at Wales, obviously cultivating the careers of um, you know, three very good players who played for Wales and Reading. Um, that's um, Jess Fishlock, Natasha Harding and Angarad um, James. So, I mean, yeah, it's gone a bit quiet with them on, on the management front. They, you know, wouldn't say anything to me at all. They just said, oh, we're still interviewing. But yeah, and then I, obviously I saw the rumours about that. Experience with West Ham youth, but then also with Atlanta FC and the MLS. But um, I, you know, I'd imagine. I mean, Jane Ludlow has got to be a strong contender. There was also talk of Carla Ward, but she just brushed that off. So um, yeah, I, Jane Ludlow would be a good one, I think. But then also Billy Stewart, I think from what I saw again, as I said, that Chelsea game, the way they played, they were, you know, it was just very positive, very entertaining to watch. Fast-paced counter-attacking football, and from what, my my view anyway, I just. And he seems to be doing an all right job. I know it's like two games. We'll wait and see. But I'm, I'd be surprised if he's not throwing his hat into the ring for, for the role as well. Well, just quickly, before James dives in, what, just on the, put you on the spot. If you were in charge, you were making that pick, who would you, would you still push for Jane Ludlow or would you give Billy Stewart a, a crack? Because he has done well and the girls seem to have picked up their performances since he's left. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, I'd... I'd of a, I, I mean, obviously, it's a hard one. I don't know, actually. I think, I mean, Jane Ludlow's got such a brilliant CV, all that international experience, helping Wales to rise up the rankings um, in terms of women's, women's game internationally. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to sit on the fence. I know it's not <laughs> ideal. We'll, we'll let <laughs> you off. <laughs> so, Simon, um, go on. No, you go ahead. No, I was going to say, I mean, let's say that they get, whoever they pick, say they get the managerial decision right. Um, yeah. Where where do you see West Ham going, sort of, not so much the, the, the short-term future, but long-term? Obviously, they've been in the WSL now for a few years, reached yeah. the FA Cup final a couple of years ago, attracting some relatively, you know, big names as well. You know, the likes of, you know, Rachel Daly's at the, at the club, Adriana Leon, just to name a couple, um, Kenza Daly as well, some big names. Where do you see the club going? Do they have the potential to really start pushing higher up up the table, or should they just that should be the minimum expectation? Because I know the top four 
potentially top five is very difficult to beat um, and difficult to break in a WSL, but they should be aiming that high given the calibre of players they've already got at the club. Yeah, I mean, the season, 2018-19 season, they finished seventh, didn't they? So, you know, and who knows what would have happened last season if it wasn't curtailed by COVID in terms of where they would have finished. But you'd hope that they'd be up there. I mean, yeah, to get into that kind of top three, it's quite, it's just so competitive. And, you know, obviously you see Chelsea, Man City, um, you know, and Everton as well. They all strengthened, and Man United, all strengthened, you know, particularly up top. But you'd, I'd... You'd like to think that given, you know, a couple of seasons ago, they were seventh, that they could get back up to the very mid-table at least uh, with the quality they have. But obviously, like with Rachel Daly and then Emily Van Eggman, for example, they're due to go back to um, the NWSL. I mean, Rachel Daly's, you know, I've just been really impressed with her. And it's a shame that she's not a permanent buy for them because she's just, she's got so much quality and she's got a really good partnership with um, Adriana Leon. Um, but ideally, I'd like to, you know, see them go further up because, as you said, they, you know, reached a cup final. They deserve to be higher, well, they should be higher up the table given how much experience they have of the top flight. Sandra, when West Ham next get underway, it'll be on the 9th of January away at, away at Man City. And looking ahead to that game and further on in the season, what, what do West Ham, what, who needs to turn up in the new year and start putting in big performances that we've obviously missed all season, whether that be in the City game or in the rest of the season going forward? Who, who needs to turn up and be the big players for West Ham? Well, I mean, it, it's a shame they can't keep hold of Emily Van Eggman. Well, I, we don't know yet. That hasn't been confirmed. But when they were brought in, it was said that they were going to be um, Emily Van Eggman and Rachel Daly would only be at the club until the end of the calendar year this year but if they were somehow able to extend them that would be a, a massive boost because that's a lot of firepower up top for them um i mean they're sharing the goals at the minute you outside of those two the goals are being shared by um by the girls at the minute i just think a whole an all-round team performance if they could all you know if, <laughs> if they all right across the board improved in form that would be great but if they could somehow keep hold of Van Egmond and Rachel Daly, that would be a massive boost, I think, just in terms of firepower, those two offer them up front, plus the kind of partnership that um, Rachel Daly has with Adriana Leon in attack. So, well, Sandra, what's stopping that from, from happening at the moment? You mentioned Van Egmond there, and she's been one of the more consistent performers uh, this season, where, where a lot of her teammates have not, unfortunately. What, what's sort of stopping that at the moment, the Van Egmond and Rachel Daly thing? And can you see that West Ham getting anything over the line? I don't know. I mean, nothing's been said by the club so far in terms of, from as far as I'm aware, in terms of updates on their situation. Nothing's been said in terms of them returning as yet, but um, I mean, I'd, I'd, again, I'll have to speak to the club and just, just get there. It'd be, it'd be fantastic for them to, to stay, but Rachel on social media regularly talks about Houston. And, you know, I think she misses being back back there with, the, with her team. But, I mean, if somehow she wants to stay a little bit longer, I think it'd be, be great, great for the team, but also great for um, the WSL. Yeah, absolutely. So look, just looking forward, Sandra, to that Man City game, just before we let you go, how can you see that one playing out? City fourth in the WSL at the moment, 18 points. Uh, they're in that different league, aren't they, really? The WSL starting to reflect um, similar things to the Premier League in that the teams who are putting the most money in are results quite quickly. Manchester City are one of those. Uh, how can you see the game going when the girls finally come back on January the 9th? 
it's a tough one. I mean, if it's, you know, without, if Rachel Daly and Emily Van Eggman go, that's quite, that's, you know, two, you know, decent goal scorers for West Ham not there. It's, it'll be a tough one because obviously City are in good form. They've got Sam Lewis in good form um, alongside uh, Georgia Stanway, who put in some excellent performances um, at the Champions League uh, against Gottenberg for City. I, I think it'll be a, quite a challenging one for West Ham. Um, I mean, Score prediction? They can get something. <laughs> um, I mean, if, it, if they can get a draw, if they can get a draw from it, that would be great. But I, I can't. I can only see a city win, but if they can get a draw, that would be be great. It all depends. You never know. You never know. I think I think uh, Ella German, who came on earlier in the season before the Arsenal game, predicted a four 0 win to Arsenal, and that seemed conservative. And the girls end up losing nine one. So yeah, fingers crossed they can uh, they keep the scores oh. down against City. But Sandra, <laughs> thanks so much for joining us, Sandra Brobby, there, sports journalist and WLSL expert from the Sun newspaper. That is our last West Ham women segment of the year. Unfortunate, the game against Aston Villa was canceled because if they'd have won that they might be sitting pretty mid-table in the WSL but fingers crossed for when they come back for the next year new manager and the girls can push on to bigger and better things so stay with us because that's nearly it for today's show but we'll wrap up with some final thoughts for the year from the boys uh, and the Fantasy Premier League update So there you have it. That is pretty much it for the last show, proper show of the year, pre-recorded one coming out to you next Wednesday to do a full review and a look back on 2020, the calendar year for West Ham United's team and the We Are West Ham podcast. But James, one thing, I've got an absolute gubbin on Name That Game by Tom earlier, but one thing that I've been doing okay on is Fantasy Premier League this year. You can, of course, join the We Are West Ham Fantasy Premier League league if you're so inclined uh, to play against me and the lads. CNY6OU is the code for that. Uh, I got 68 points this week, putting me on 853 in total. Jonesy, you got 65 and put you on 747. And Tom, you also got 65, leaving you on 741. Jonesy, you were so confident of overtaking me by the end of the season. Uh, You've lost to me again, this time only by three points. Uh, You're feeling a bit better about your team because punching in the mid-60s week in, week out is a lot better than you were doing. Well, I mean, you failed to mention the week before, which happened after we last recorded. Where, sorry, mate. Sorry, mate. Current news only. <laughs> where uh, where King Will Pugh got just a measly 40 points that game week, um, which, quite frankly, is pathetic. And, uh, and I, that week, got... I'm just having a look at it now. What did I get? Oh, I got 60 points that week as well, so... Yeah, so uh, I've, I've, I've just closed the gap a little bit at, at the top, but um, a little bit frustrated this week because I captain Salah, and if he, he comes off the bench and gets two and gets an assist, I thought that's all right. Everyone else just terrible. It's like Son mm. didn't do anything. Um, so yeah, a little bit frustrated, but we go again. Um, I've closed the gap to the top, so I'm um, uh, I'm still confident I'll catch you by the end of the season. Well, fair enough, mate. Just the 106 points between us now then. Tom, uh, you on 741, just six behind Jonesy. Same point. How are you feeling uh, going into the new year? 
Yeah, I'm all right, mate. A lot more solid. I've been I've been in around the 50 and 60s last few weeks. Not nothing special. I had 134 or something, which did me in. But yeah, good. Made a big change. Got Fernandez in in uh, War of the Armband last week. He absolutely delivered. So I've uh, I've gone and got Salah in for this week. So fingers crossed that he turns up and I've got some big hitters in there chasing there. your tail, mate. There we go. Rudy Eagling tops the We Are West Ham uh, Fantasy Premier League at Christmas this year. Still top with 948 points. He's had that lead for a few weeks now. He got 79 points this week. But Jeremy Pike, once again, a massive week uh, after his 120-ish point haul last week. Got 90, so now just 29 points between him. I'm doing all right. I think I'm in the top sort of 25 or whatever of the We Are West Ham podcast listener league. There's about 450, 500 of you in there, something like that at the moment. So do join in with that if you fancy it in the new year. Follow us on Twitter uh, and Instagram at We Are underscore West Ham on Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. Uh, you can check out our uh, Christmas videos. James Jones, like I said, has done some work to the YouTube channel. So uh, lots of stuff and content to go and check out there, as well as watching uh, each show in its entirety. Uh, do give us a review if you've got the time and the inclination this Christmas. We don't want uh, any presents or, or anything else. Just uh, flick onto your, your podcast platform and say some nice words. Give us five stars. Uh, subscribe to the podcast and the YouTube channel. Do the same thing as there. We'd really appreciate it if you can stick with us uh, for on our Twitter because we will have a competition. We'll be running over the period so make sure you keep your eyes peeled for that and i think that is about it james any last thoughts from you for uh this show today and of course um for the whole of 2020 because this is our last recording of the calendar year it's been a it's been a rubbish year really isn't it um but it's uh ending on a high uh well kind of a high for for west ham from a footballing sense but um yeah, hopefully we can we can all go into 2021 with a little bit of positivity, both for both for the future of the football club, uh, on and off the pitch, uh, but also sort of just general life as well. Hopefully we can get back to normality at some stage in 2021 and, and all be happy again and look forward to, to to everything else. So, but it's been it's been a good year for the podcast, really really good. Uh, obviously, we had Betway come on and, and stuff like that, but get get on board and stuff like that. So it's been fun. Uh, looking forward to seeing how how we can grow further and, and sort of get the listeners involved a little bit more in 2021. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Yeah, and a good show today. Thanks to our list, uh, guests today, Tom Murphy and Sandra Brobby, joining us for the Opposition View and the West Ham Women's segment. Thanks so much, I'll say, to, to all the ex-players we've had on uh, so far. This year, we'll be bringing lots more of those to you uh, in 2021 and throughout the rest of the season. But they, they are a huge part of the show. And uh, to be honest, they make it what it is because they uh, they obviously know far more about what it's like to pull on a West Ham shirt than any of us ever would. But Tom, some final thoughts for, from you for the show today and the year as a whole. You obviously joined us in May. So uh, just sum up uh, before we say goodbye to everyone until 2021. No, yeah, it's been it's been a great year to get on board to uh, fully fully be involved in this and involve you two and see your mushes every week. It's it's been nothing but good fun, and it and it's made this year something I remember for for a fond memories, not just uh, for everything that's gone on. And to all the listeners, I hope that no matter where you are or whatever you're doing for this Christmas, if it's not normal, that you have the best time. You try and enjoy this week as much as possible because 
if there's a year we've ever needed this time to come and a big feast and a few beers it is this year so merry christmas to all you and merry christmas to both of you guys and yeah look forward to next year and and fingers crossed the pod keeps growing from strength to strength because it's good fun whilst it lasts absolutely mate totally agree with you happy christmas to you too of course as well but the biggest of merry christmases and a happy new year to everyone who listens to the we are west ham podcast we really do appreciate you lot tuning in downloading the podcast every week it does seem uh, a little bit peculiar to me uh, as the the year goes on it's something we really enjoy doing but as i'm speaking to former west ham players i would have had to pinch myself as a youngster, uh, for me to be doing that, all the guests we've had on this year, it's absolutely brilliant. Some huge names uh, in West Ham folklore and for me to be doing that and then thousands of people downloading and listening to what we have got to say uh, every week is really quite something. So thank you so much to everyone who's been listening throughout 2020. We do hope you stay with us for 2021. More of the same and hopefully uh, some improvements to come for the podcast and for the football team next year. So that is it uh, for us, from us for this year. West Ham United finish the season in 10th. It's better or finish uh, the year in 10th just before Christmas. Who knows where we could be at the turn of the new year. It's certainly going to be better than this time last year when David Moyes had just been appointed. Fans were protesting everywhere. We know at the We Are West Ham podcast that there are those listening to this show who will not be happy until the current ownership leave. And to be honest, although that's not happening at the moment, at least everyone is getting behind David Moyes and his men. Hopefully we can make some reinforcements in January and push on. And perhaps, just perhaps, this weirdest of seasons might be the one where West Ham qualify for Europe. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Stick with us in 2021. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Up the hammers. And we'll see you next year. Podcast Network.